I was on to Al there and he was like and I think this is good to put in the podcast because I was like yeah I just he was like I've seen everyone like straight into their routine like doing their gym workouts and blah 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 it's like fuck off I need a few days to come to terms with this so I feel like that is a big thing to talk about and like get into a routine obviously if you want to but I think let's not rush into trying to be in our days of structure of like I know some people need structure but like stop trying to to go back to the old capitalist get up go to work stage sleep if you need to sleep blah 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 do you know what I mean Welcome to United Ireland. It's Una here. I'm speaking from my home. Like so many more of you listening in, I'm self-isolating as much as I can. We will be continuing to make podcasts, although our mission has shifted somewhat. We're used to picking one issue a week in a local place in Ireland and giving it a national and international context. Now the world is facing a single issue with multiple facets. There's a coal truck going past my house. Apologies. Um, There are layers and layers here, emotional, financial, systemic, philosophical, environmental, recreational, spiritual, practical, and of course, medical. And it's going to take an incredible amount of time and energy to process these things. Um, This is a bit of an unusual episode in that it's acting as um, a bit of breathing space, I suppose, before normal service continues. Uh, Well, as well, you know, as normal as can be in the extraordinary circumstances of a global pandemic that is shutting down borders, businesses, industry, transport with a virus that is killing some people and making others sick, but for the most part causing mild symptoms for people who nevertheless need to do everything possible to slow the spread. So here we are, standing around our gaffes, thinking, I can't fucking believe this is happening. Myself and Andrea, along with Andrew, our producer, he of the dulcet tones, have been figuring out the technical aspects of recording the podcast, both separately, but together and also remotely. But we didn't just want to barrel into Corona coverage and bombard you with stuff. Our heads are spinning like everyone else's. So we don't know what form the podcast is going to take over the next while. Apart from to say it will still be going at least weekly with bonus episodes and we want to act as a little port in the storm for all of our listeners. We're feeling our way through this and we'll see what happens. Um, But what we didn't want to do is jump into a new format straight away or get loads of experts on the line and talk about the ins and outs of the pandemic. We know everyone is stuck to the news, uh, to social media, to live blogs on news sites. So as always at United Ireland, we are going to take a step back and have a little breather and then come at things with uh, hopefully a different and helpful perspective. Over the next few weeks, we'll be bringing you coping mechanisms, calmness, solidarity, artists, voices, and whatever else comes up as we uh, feel our way through this again, as I said, this historic and remarkable time. Now, for those of you listening outside Ireland, uh, we're not in extreme uh, lockdown yet. We have an idea of what that looks like uh, from the experiences of our brothers and sisters in China, in Italy, uh, increasingly in in France and Spain and elsewhere. 
But right now it's about social distancing. I've heard this described as spatial distancing as well, which is probably more accurate. And I also think physical distancing is a good description as right now. Um, so myself and Andrea were talking about over WhatsApp, you know, social and being social is very important. But we are going to have to get used to that being virtual, remote or that bit far away from one another. Uh, Leah Vragker, you know, said that kind of this week is the calm before the storm. And uh, it does feel like that. You know, lots of people are articulating their boredom on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And there is kind of a good humour uh, emerging. Um, and hopefully things won't get so bad that that will break. Uh, and you don't need me or us to tell you that this current moment is bananas. Our heads are spinning. And I don't know about you, but I'm just like constantly veering between a weird, detached, pragmatic headspace to sadness, fear, panic, and even hopelessness. But then I hear about something amazing happening, like the Irish doctors flying home from Australia, or the fish coming back into the canals in Venice, or people crowdfunding delicious food for our health workers, and I realise that togetherness can get us through anything, no matter how painful it is. Overnight, uh, towards the end of last week, tens of thousands of people lost their jobs and their work across the hospitality and arts and culture sectors. Many of our friends and family members are amongst them. There will be more job losses on the way in many industries, particularly retail. We don't know how long this is going to last. Um, but what we do think is that Ireland is better positioned than so many more places to deal with this emotionally, psychologically and collectively. We know where our strengths lie We've spent the past half decade in particular working together, but I suppose we never really knew that that era was actually in preparation for something much bigger. Um, something perhaps even bigger than constitutional change or the landscape of Irish politics being redrawn. You know, whether we knew it or not, those skills and that atmosphere was bringing us to this moment and we're ready for it, even if we never expected it. So what I want to take some time to talk to you today about is the immediate coping mechanisms we have to draw from, uh, practical, cultural, philosophical. Um, and we kind of want to talk about, uh, we, I, I miss you, Andrea, <laughs> I want to talk about uh, routine and the importance of those things and just provide a little bit of reflection time before we get back into the episodes that we're going to be uh, sending out to you guys over the next few weeks. Um when this um, virus kind of started uh, coming, sorry, I'm just going to close my window here uh, so that stop hearing cars go by. There we go. Um, so, yeah, when this uh, virus was first being mentioned in the news, I guess back in January, really, when we first started hearing about it, um, you know, people were making all these jokes about Corona, the beer, Uh which is a beer I, I do kind of tend to enjoy at the end of the night sometimes when you need something light. But also, you know, the meaning of the word Corona is, is about light, uh, a different kind of light force. Uh, it's a light only visible in darkness. The sun's Corona is visible only during a total solar eclipse when a glow surrounds the disk of the moon as the light, you know, that keeps everyone and everything on our planet alive is blocked out. But an eclipse is a momentary thing. And soon the darkness moves away and that light and life force emerges again. More brilliant than ever, if only because we've realised and seen how dark it can get. Um, all last week as this was escalating in Ireland, I was down in Clare um, 
my girlfriend was working on a TV production down there, which got shut down, obviously. And then we made our way back to Dublin. And the first thing I did was light a candle in the window. This is something my granny used to do in Galway and something my mum would do around Christmas as well. It made me feel like I was doing something, that I was sending out some good vibes. And it's become a ritual that I've been repeating every evening. So um, try that. (laughs) I mean, what else can we do right now? Um, There's a lot of talk about because a lot of people are self-isolating at home, although, of course, a lot of people do still have to go into work. Um, You know, all this talk about like being productive and getting all this stuff done and I'm going to write that play. I'm going to finish this book. I'm going to learn guitar or whatever. That's all amazing. But I actually think that this week is about processing and we've spent so much of our lives in recent years putting undue, unrealistic, um, damaging pressure on ourselves to be productive. Um, So I think that it's okay to not be doing anything. It's okay to just be processing and then establishing some structure. And the reason I'm telling you this kind of stuff is because I want to talk about the power of routine. So this is what I've been doing um, and maybe it'll be helpful. So in the morning, coffee, maybe some breakfast. And at that moment um, in the day, this is kind of the moment where you decide that you're not going to let information take over your day. Uh, If you want to check social media, carve out some time for it. It could be a block of half an hour, could be five minutes every few hours but try not to slip into the mess of your entire day being dictated by the scroll and the refresh. Turn off notifications on your phone. This is something that I've always done and I find it really helpful just because I hate the pull of my phone. Um, So the only notifications I have on are for calls and for text messages. Turn off your WhatsApp notifications, your signal notifications, your Instagram comments, likes, tweets, mentions, news alerts, Uh, You don't need them unless you're in a really active conversation with somebody about something serious on WhatsApp or or a signal or whatever. You know, obviously you have to pay attention to that, but there's so much information coming at us and it's really important because our brains are fritzing right now not to add to that. The next part of your day uh, should include some reflection time. I have my own uh, tailored brand of yoga that is basically old people stretches in my living room, but it works for me. Um, you might like to meditate if you can, you know, sit for five, ten minutes, um, go for a walk. I think a lot of people are enjoying that right now. Exercise is reflection time. So whether that's walking or a run, uh, doing some weights at home, which is something that I've always told myself I was going to do to get Madonna arms and I've never actually done weights at home. So that's an aspirational one. Cycling, whatever it is, walk around the block. And goes without saying, don't walk in groups, uh, physically distance in outdoor spaces too. We've seen those videos of people on different Irish beaches or parks or up a mountain or something. And there's just like loads of groups of people. Remember that uh, you have to physically distance in open air too. Good opportunity to cook. It's always been a way for me to de-stress. Um, but not like competitive cooking. You don't have to be some fucking master chef bake off um, person uh, who is feeling the pressure of cooking. 
uh, and performative cooking, um, you know, just the best thing to do right now is to kind of sit with your thoughts and process them. This is a great time to read a book. Uh, I tend to have a rule of trying to read a book a week in general. Hopefully I'll get more of that done now. Again, I know exactly what I'm doing to myself. I'm trying to like create a competition with myself <laughs> um, to, you know, write on a list the latest book I've read. But it is a really good time to escape into somebody else's words and somebody else's world. Um, and it's also a great time for you to write everything down. Um, it can be difficult to process our thoughts if we're not kind of getting them out or if we're just keeping them to ourselves. So write down what you're feeling and what you're experiencing because we are living through history right now. And in a couple of years, you'll be able to pick that up and go, wasn't that a wild, wild time? Um, play is a crucial aspect of uh, getting some headspace whether that's like Scrabble or Monopoly or a jigsaw. I'm a big fan of jigsaw puzzles um, or video games. I'm one of those people who, you know, for probably over 10 years has been like, oh, I don't have a TV. I don't need a TV. And now obviously I'm raging because no TV, no PlayStation. So if you do have a games console, enjoy that and carve out time for it. Uh, video calls have taken on a massive uh, new dimension, I think, in people's lives. I've been using Zoom to catch up with my friends and FaceTime to catch up with my family because it's just, you know, when you start introducing new apps to your family, it's it's like the most like logistically demanding thing. Although I know lots of people are using like House Party and stuff like that. Uh, the app, not the occasion. Be aware, physically distance. But one thing I would say about these video calls is um, schedule them properly. So you're not talking to everyone all the time in a kind of an unstructured, unwieldy way because you end up repeating all these conversations and worries and it can be quite exhausting. So schedule the video calls properly. Give yourself space to talk to everyone who you want to and not relentlessly and set a time limit on a call. It might be 15 minutes. It might be an hour, but make sure that people know the time limit of that so you're not just like endlessly uh just kind of living in the catch-up I suppose um if you're on a call with friends and the extroverts are doing all the talking uh that would be me make sure to give our quieter buddies an opportunity to have their voices heard too on those calls don't share misinformation or rumor don't panic too much or do too much doom talk people are all very sensitive right now and we have to hold each other up and when you're kind of pouring out your concerns and fears to people, you know, maybe they're really well equipped to deal with that or maybe they're just experiencing the exact same thing as you. So you just have to be mindful of people's own emotional disposition. Um, relaxing at night, uh, you know, try not to drink too much. Uh, I know I've been gasping for a glass of red wine constantly and... Um, you just have to try and do what's good for your health and your, you know, emotional state. Um, yes, alcohol, if you do drink it, um, can be a relaxant, but it can also make you overly emotional. Um, disturb your sleep and sleep is so important to alleviate stress. It's so good for your immune system to be getting good sleep. I know I'm a person without small children talking here, so I'm sorry, uh, but that's my experience. Um, 
you know, if you're hungover or something like that, you feel much more vulnerable. You don't have the same coping mechanisms. Uh, you're eating crap food, probably. It's just not good for your health. So if you are using alcohol responsibly as a stress relief or, you know, some kind of a, a relaxant or a crutch in these times, just try and implement some like really simple, achievable rules, like make every second night alcohol free, for example. Start with that and see how you go. Um, the working from home conversation is interesting uh, because I've been working from home for like nine years, I think. And again, it's all about routine. Really simple rules. Put on proper clothes in the morning. Don't work from bed. I understand some people have to. It's the only quiet place in the house, especially if they've got young children. If you have a desk, amazing. If not, try the kitchen table. Get up regularly because you're not going to be sitting in maybe more comfortable chairs that you have in your office or wherever you work. So uh, get up and walk around every, you know, half hour or something like that. Um, and, and the key thing, I suppose, to working from home is that you're no longer kind of clocking in and clocking out in the same way that you might do when you go into an office at a specific time for a specific shift. Uh, and that it's not about hours anymore. It's about tasks. So working from home is about being task driven. It's not about saying, I'm going to do eight hours work today. Just look at what tasks you have to complete, carve out the time to do them. And that is your working from home. Uh, try not to talk to work colleagues out of hours unless they're actual mates. You'd be talking to them anywhere or anyway. Um, don't check your work email out of hours. Um and don't retreat into those work WhatsApp groups out of hours as well. You have to have boundaries for yourself. And if other people are breaching those boundaries, just say it to them very gently and nicely and calmly. And just remember in this moment, our energy is stretched. And we have to be mindful about who or what we're giving our energy to. And remembering that we have to keep some to ourselves. On the information that you're taking in, uh, you know, a lot of people have been saying the same stuff. Listen to and read quality news sources and make that part of your routine as well. Whether it's, you know, so it, I'm saying that not to like tell you to take in information, but actually to keep information out. So if you have a routine that's like, OK, I listen to Morning Ireland for an hour and then at some point in the afternoon, I read the Irish Times live blog or I check the Guardian or something and then I watch the nine o'clock news. You know, that is enough. We don't have to constantly be, you know, taking in every piece of information. I was doing that. And what I found interesting was because I was really kind of only taking in the live breaking stuff, um, like on the Guardian live blog or the Irish Times live blog or on social media, I found that all of the information started to lose meaning because it started to lose context. I wasn't necessarily reading pieces of analysis. I was kind of just going for the latest thing. And you just kind of get addled by it, to be honest. And, you know, this is the space that I work in. And, and um, you know, you, you want to be keeping abreast of everything so that you have all the information so that your own writing is, is, isn't missing anything. But um, as the days have gone on, uh, I've realised, no, actually, you need to, yes, keep abreast of the news, but also give yourself some context and just think it out yourself as well. Journalists have access to a lot of information from the health sector, from government, uh, other politicians, contacts around the world, like the EU, our security forces, the WHO, uh, and other journalists in other countries. And journalists are distilling that information for you. Um, 
And it's those really kind of solid, reliable sources that you should be looking at and consuming. And shout out to the Irish Times fam. Um, the newspaper and website is being produced, has been uh, reproduced remotely um, by hundreds of staff, hundreds of, of contributors uh, because of, of the office was closed um, uh, temporarily because of a, a positive case of COVID-19 uh, amongst a staff member. So we're all thinking um, of our, our colleague and uh, shout out to all the journalists doing the hard work because it can be quite hard to be very much like living in the story, quote unquote story, but then also dealing with the consequences of it in your personal and private life. So uh, well done to everybody and that goes without saying all the health workers and frontline workers of all kinds um, and our officials as well dealing with this stuff. If you need a couple of other bits, um, the Netflix party Chrome extension if you want to watch Netflix with your friends and comment on it together. Uh, there's loads of live streams of artists um, on Instagram and, and streaming different gigs. I know Louise Bruton is working on uh, a guide to that at the moment. There are people are offering like music tutorials like Elaine May. So there are different moments of kind of play and art uh, that you can tune into. And as we know, art is the great therapy. Um, artists saw the edginess of the world crumbling and coming, um, even though we couldn't have predicted this. Um, and they're also kind of the first to articulate it, also the first to fall, you know, the immediate impact on, on this on artists has been seismic. But they'll also be the first to process it for us um, and ref reflect on it for us. Um, and we'll be talking about artists' uh, voices um, in the coming weeks. Now, look, money... Uh, what a fucking nightmare, right? <clears throat> um, it's, it's, I mean, so many um, of my friends have just, like, lost all of their work. Um, and uh, it's, it's just kind of, you know, you're just staring off a cliff, really. But it's important not to freak out. Um, there is help coming. It's not going to be easy, but there will be help and flexibility, you know, because there has to be, you know, bills, mortgages, rents, loans, all that kind of stuff. We bailed out the banks and now it's their turn. You know, that's my my point on it um, or my stance. Yeah, and, and more broadly about, you know, the, the global financial systems when we're kind of looking uh, down the barrel really at a global financial crash, uh, if not something more major in terms of a collapse, it now looks like this late stage capitalism that myself and Andrea and so many more of you and loads of other people are constantly harping on about has moved on to final stage capitalism, right? The global economy will be reconfigured and our understanding of how we move through the world will be too. Individualism is over. The collective is going to be elevated in ways we can't yet understand. But um, I think we know that. We knew that already, right? And this is where it comes down to... Um, you know, the everyday uh, emotional toil of this with regards to the importance of connection. I was speaking to a friend of mine who's in um, isolation in Los Angeles. She had symptoms and she's been uh, self-isolating now, I think totally on her own for like 10 days. And she was just, you know, she's had a lot of time to think. And she's been, we were talking about uh, connection and how it's so wild that one of the main um, elements of this pandemic 
and of this virus is that it's forcing us to stay apart from each other. And we've spent so many years being completely disconnected and trying to often fill uh, those absences of connection with technology, um, which, you know, removes us in many ways. And now we're being made examine what human connection actually means, the importance of human contact, the importance of all hanging out in the same space, in a real world space, the importance of touch. And hopefully this will be one of the lessons uh, down the road this may teach us, because although it's hard to digest right now, uh, there will be a lot of wisdom to emerge from this. Um, some of that, those kind of lessons I was talking about last Friday the 13th, I posted a Twitter thread about um, what that day means to me because Friday the 13th, 2015 was when I was uh, diagnosed with cancer. And I, ha I haven't been on Twitter for a good while. I'm constantly repeating that on this podcast. Um, and it's weird because now I'm kind of back on it and it's interesting how social media has taken on a different kind of meaning for me. And I think for a lot of people right now, like it's no longer super annoying and it actually is helpful in a way but I was just kind of talking about um, this idea of fear and panic and what that has taught me. And it's hard to explain sometimes because when you experience a trauma that is imposed and a surprise and uh, feels very unjust and sudden, uh, you only realize kind of years later all of the lessons that you're given from that. And I think that um, we'll be experiencing all of those things in time from this as well. But what I would say is, you know, you don't have to keep on trucking. You should be feeling everything. Crying is very cathartic um, and you don't have to hide it. And it's okay to be scared. But just try and put some structures in place where that doesn't become overwhelming or your complete disposition. I was talking to Sarah, my girlfriend, about this because basically we're just in the house by ourselves. So all we're just doing is talking at each other. Um, and I was telling her, you know, I was trying to explain this to her. And obviously she has her own experience of my illness as well. And I was just talking about how, oh, you know, I just learned so much and I wouldn't give it any of it back, even though it was so horrific and things just land with me better and I understand things more. And she was saying, you know, that's great, but um, <laughs> what about some actual examples of it? Because when I talk about it, I feel very a bit faffy or a bit cliche. And I think other people who've gone through similar things get it. But it can be, you can just end up sounding like a fucking Instagram quote or whatever, you know. Oh, I totally understand unity now. But I think, so I was thinking about that. And I was like, yes, examples are helpful. Um, and one of the examples I was thinking of was, has really weirdly re reoccurred in this moment, um, five years later. And that was so, okay, so this is the example. I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk about it. Um. When I was surprise diagnosed with cancer, Friday the 13th, 2015, um, it was a routine, not a, well, it was a uh, colonoscopy basically that I um, was booked in for because my stomach was feeling really weird. And then they found this tumor. And I had a, we, a, I wasn't going to know my staging for the follow, until the following week. 
So I had this really weird week where I didn't know whether or not it was terminal and the doctors were very like ashen faced. Um, and I went into a state of shock and it was a different kind of shock that I've experienced before. You know, it was very different to, let's say, a friend passing away, um, someone close to you dying where you're just in shock. So it was very different to that. And um, basically what happened was I couldn't sleep at all. I eventually ended up on these like whopper uh, sleeping pills. Um, but um, I couldn't sleep at all. So I would just like get up, you know, at like 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. and go walking around um, Dublin city centre, mostly kind of down by the canal because I was living off Camden Street at the time. So the canal on the south side. And what happened was, was almost like a hallucinatory experience. I was so in shock and so raw and so like burst open to the world that everything became incredibly heightened to the point that it was really hard to take the information from the world in. To give you some examples of this, and I'm not like bullshitting like this, this actually happened. Like I became really sensitive to noise, to light and to just any kind of visual information. So basically everything. <laughs> And like, I remember looking at um, the LED sign of a petrol station, you know, where they have the price of fuel up and it was so bright. I had to shield my eyes. And I remember um, hearing like a car door slam and it was like a bomb going off. It was so loud. And when I would be walking along the street, you know, kind of in this weird shock um, hallucination and this like rolling panic attack for you know days and days everybody's face was so vivid like every single detail of every single thing that I was seeing was like all of the information was like flooding into me at once you know um a certain like the the tiny little screw at the side of someone's sunglasses or a detail on their necklace or how a button on a cardigan looked and I just couldn't it was like being trapped in this hallucination and um, I realised just been like mortality had just been placed right in front of me and the edge of my life was just right there that I was just so open to everything in the world that it was like I was seeing it for the first time becoming so aware of everything around me because it was very evident um, that this could all be lost and a couple of days ago well, I mean, I think it's a couple of days because <laughs> days last for like three months now. Um, I was went for a walk in the Phoenix Park and it was a beautiful day. And uh, there was, it was quite busy. I was I was, you know, doing that like totally weird social distancing thing of like, you know, I'm not going to walk by the wall. I'll walk by the side of the road. So then if somebody comes by, I won't be trapped by the wall and I can move out. You know, you're just holding my breath as people walk by. I mean, this is so fucked up, all this stuff we're doing. Anyway, well, what I'm doing, I don't know, maybe other people aren't doing it. These are just reflexes, new reflexes. And uh, so it was so beautiful and people were like taking photos of flowers and there was like, you know, pigeons and families exercising and you know a dad kicking a ball to his son and the blades of grass and you know guy on a bike or whatever and 
this similar feeling came back of just like looking at all this stuff going, oh my God, like humans are amazing. The world is beautiful. You know, thinking these things that just make you sound like, um, I don't know what. I mean, I actually, re- I re- I'm re-recording this because the first, uh, my first shot at the, this, even though it's kind of off the top of my head, I just sounded like a priest. <laughs> I just said to Andrea, I was like, I have to re-record it. I sound like a priest. Take five. Is this your last one now? Are you happy? But what I'm trying to say is that the appreciation we gain when things are on the line is massive. And I started writing my column for next Monday in the Times and I just keep thinking of this thing like, what if the virus didn't exist? And if you can imagine that right now, because obviously it does, but if you can imagine that, what if the virus didn't exist and everybody was doing all this stuff anyway, checking on their neighbours, 2FM only playing Irish artists, you know, people giving free music classes, the dolphins coming back to the port in Venice, the air pollution clearing up in China. And then you have to get real, right, and go, no, it does exist. And because of all of these things and all of these actions, we will actually get through it. And when we do, maybe we'll have an appreciation for all of the stuff that we've been running down so destructively, including ourselves. And uh, this time is a time to know ourselves, know each other and know the world that we're in and hope that we have the solidarity and the togetherness to get through it, which I think we do. It also kind of strikes me that this is the period of the year, which lasts about like six days, I think, seven days. Uh, And it's the period of Hanami, right? It's this period of when um, Japanese uh, people enjoy the uh, blooming of the cherry blossoms. And there are festivals and parties and events where people go and they look at the um, flowers of these trees, my favorite tree, um, blooming. And the whole thing about this cultural event uh, in Japan is that it's not just about looking at flowers and blossoms because they're there and they're pretty and this is the time they're out. It's about transience. It's about the fact that you can only appreciate something because you have a deep understanding that it will go. And it's that appreciation cannot exist without understanding loss in the same way that beauty can't exist without understanding brutality, without understanding ugliness, because there can't be an understanding of one without the other because existence is relationship. And so I've been thinking about that as a lot as well. Appreciation, transience, loss, beauty, brutality. We're seeing all these things at the same time. I know um, that's quite a bit priesty. I hope you're enjoying my career pivot uh, to Zen priest. It's a new one for me and I think you're going to enjoy it. And Andrea is not here to tell me to shut the fuck up. So that's quite pleasant. I miss you, Andrea. We have been talking constantly and I know everyone is really worried about their finances right now. I'm one of those people. So is Andrea. Um, She's working a lot on sorting out uh, the situation tropical popical at the moment which obviously had to shut for the time being and uh, this podcast is listener supported so if you can afford three euro a month go to patreon.com forward slash united ireland we need your support 
If you can't afford to support us or if you need to delete your subscription, we completely understand. That is absolutely fine. But we do really appreciate your support, whether you're posting about the podcast on social media or throwing us a few quid on Patreon or talking about it or recommending it to a friend or something like that. So thank you very much. We'll be back soon. Uh, Andrea is about to discover the glories of USB mics and um, the Da Vinci Code type uh, (laughs) process of recovering her Skype passwords. Uh, So once that is all sorted out and um, obviously she's got a lot on her plate at the moment uh, being a small business owner, um, we'll be back together again next week, if not sooner. And we hope you come with us and uh, take a little time and a little space. And uh, yeah, fucking hell, guys. Um, Let's get through it together.